<clears throat> Bill's Mafia, what is up? And welcome into another edition of the Halftime Adjustments Podcast. My name is Charlie Gross. I am your host, and we have three segments for you today. First, we are going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline and the drama that never happened. Then a quick uh, recap of the ugly win over the Miami Dolphins, and then a bit of my thoughts about the Bills-Jaguars game this weekend. So first, let's start with the drama of the trade deadline. Uh, I know everyone wanted Brandon Bean to do something, and a lot of people were hopeful for an offensive guard, but that did not materialize. In fact, nothing materialized, although there were a few, I don't know how true they are, rumors about the Bills uh, trading for Khalil Mack, which I don't think would have been possible with the salary cap uh, concerns. And then obviously the the thing that almost came to fruition, according to Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports, was trading Mitchell Trubisky to the Washington football team for a unknown return. I know that earlier in the day, Chris had tweeted out that he thought that um, there there might be a deal done. And then after the trade deadline was over, he tweeted out that he thought that uh, he had heard that a deal was actually really close, but the Bills and the Washington football team could not, uh, could not iron out the final details of a trade. There was some aspect we don't know if it was from the Bills side or the Washington football team side uh, some compensation that was supposed to be included and they couldn't get worked out so Mitchell Trubisky is a member of the Buffalo Bills for the rest of the year and quite frankly up until March technically because that's when the NFL year ends and a new year begins so I know a lot of people um didn't really want Trubisky to be traded, and I guess where I was at was I didn't want him to be traded unless it was you know like a first round pick or a second round pick or or something where I thought the um or like a player a pick and a player back like an offensive lineman. So obviously the Bills are pretty serious about it, and obviously Washington was too. As I said, they they almost made a deal, but let's be honest. I think the big area of need and and maybe this would have been something that would have been coming back in any Mitchell Trubisky trade but that's the offensive line because quite frankly I I try to tell you try to tell you guys in March and you didn't want to hear it John Feliciano sucks he is a below average football player he stinks he shouldn't be on the team I know that everyone was very enthralled with him because he's friends with Josh Allen Let's be honest. Probably everybody on the team is friends with Josh Allen. I mean, they're on the team together, you know. I mean, maybe someone doesn't like him. Who knows? I I think they're all pretty much friends. And because John Feliciano punched a guy who sacked Josh Allen because John Feliciano was too crappy of a football player to block him. So, So John Feliciano couldn't block the guy. The guy sacked Josh Allen and then... Josh Allen got mad, so then John Feliciano punched him, and that's why we all like John Feliciano. Well, it's a really good thing that none of you are football general managers. John Feliciano sucks, and the Bills have a serious 
problem on the interior offensive line. Cody Ford, John Feliciano, and Ike Butker really aren't the answer. Obviously, there's nothing more they can do about it now, really, unless they feel like there's some guy on the practice squad or in free agency, um, you know, a street free agent, who they think can really uh, come in and do something. But aside from that, they're stuck with it, and I hope that Brandon Bean decides to draft some interior offensive linemen high in the draft next year. And I think that this is really affecting Josh Allen. I think that he's escaping clean pockets too early because he doesn't have any faith in his friend, John Feliciano. Doesn't sound like a very friendly thing to me to not have faith in your friend. So he doesn't have faith in the blocking in front of him, and that's affecting his timing, um, you know, how soon he leaves the pocket. So I think this is something that the Bills definitely need to deal with. I wish they would have dealt with it today. Maybe they tried, but ultimately. And, of course, there was a Buffalo Bills football game last weekend. A ugly game, certainly if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, you know, a game that was tied 3-3 three to three at halftime. An ugly win, a, a 26-11 to 11 win. Certainly something that were not um, used to seeing from the Bills in terms of how that win took place. But quite frankly, I don't really care. I don't care if it was an ugly win. It didn't really bother me that much. To me, Miami simply played the way that we thought they were going to play this year before the season started. And, uh, you know, Xavier Howard, there's some weird stuff going on in Miami. Uh, you know, we have a situation where the coaches wanted Justin Herbert. The owner wanted Tua. But now the owner's trying to trade for Deshaun Watson, which did not happen today either, just in case you didn't know that. Then, of course, they had the, the weird thing with Shan Gailey. Uh, this year they had no, – let me see if I can get the mechanics on this – they had two, they had co-offensive coordinators, Eric Studisville and George Godsey. They also have a quarterback coach by the name of Charlie Fry. So up until, I think, last week or the week before, this was the scenario. Eric Studisville and George Godsey would develop the game plan which makes sense because they're co-offensive coordinators and that's like what the job is. You coordinate the offense. And then on game days, Charlie Fry would actually be the one calling the plays. Doesn't really make any sense at all. First of all, he's not the offensive coordinator. Second of all, he has no experience calling plays. And that's just a dumb idea. And how do you as a head coach get to that point? I don't understand how that's a thing. I don't think that's ever been done in the history of the NFL. So I don't know where you got that idea from, but it's a terrible idea. And coincidentally, once that was over and Tua came back, the Dolphins have been playing better. But I say all that to say this, that after the game, Xavier Howard said that this was the first week that the Dolphins had started playing the coverages that they played last year when their defense was good. Again, 
How do you get to that point? You had like a top, I don't know, what was their defense last year? Like a top seven defense? And you you don't do anything in the defensive secondary in terms of the coverages you're playing from last year when your defense was good until like your eighth game of the year? Doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't really know what Miami is doing. It seems like off the field and in the front office there's a lot of chaos going on. And I think Tua's been playing pretty well, actually, all things considered. I think he is improving. I think he's had his best two or three games the past two or three games that he's played. For some reason, Bills fans want to clown on Tua. And I heard, I saw Nate Geary say that he didn't think Tua had a strong arm. and It's one of the weakest arms he's ever seen. I disagree. I, I think you're letting your personal bias towards Tua or Miami get in the way um, of your analysis. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't think Tua has the strongest arm ever, but I don't think it's one of the five weakest arms like in the history of the NFL draft. And, and even if, I think Nate said, since he's seen, okay, well, Nate's like 30 or something, right? So Nate has seen like 15 drafts. So Nate's seen like, I don't know, 150, 175 quarterbacks come in the draft. You're telling me that, that Tua is the weakest arm ever? I, I don't think so. <sighs> That's ridiculous. It's obvious that he's getting better every week. And it's obvious that he doesn't have the rocket arm of a John Elway or a Brett Favre. That's fine. Does that is that make it harder for the Dolphins to, to do things? Of course, because he's not as athletic as a guy like Josh Allen. He doesn't have as strong as arm. So the, the window to make mistakes is, is going to be a smaller window. But the, the Saints prove that you can win with a guy like that when, when they won with a guy like Drew Brees. It's a similar skill set. You know, the Dolphins are not a good team, um, although they, they played better against the Bills. And part of that, I think, is is the Bills' fault. They seem to be wanting to run the ball more this year. Uh, several people have pointed out the fact that Sean McDermott really wants this two-dimensional offense. But I, and, I, and then someone else, I, I believe it was Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills, pointed out, that's fine if you, if you want a two-dimensional offense but you're not recognizing that you don't have the personnel in the run game to be two-dimensional. Like, your interior offensive linemen kind of stink, and your running backs kind of stink. You, all of your dynamic playmakers are at wide receiver, quarterback, tight end. So that's where, you know, the strength of your offense is. So it's great that you want to be two-dimensional. But you need to acquire the pieces for your roster that will allow you to be two-dimensional. And up until now, the Bills have not done that. So at this point, all you're really doing is you know, shooting yourself in the foot. They're, they're running a lot on second and long, which seems silly. And I'm not sure if Brian Dable really wants to do that. Or if obviously his boss, McDermott, wants it, and so Dable has to do what his boss wants, not really sure. But it's not working. And as soon as the Bills came out of halftime and adjusted and you know decided they were going to start acting like the way we think they should be acting in terms of play calls and offensive schemes, suddenly they scored 23 points in a half. So 
it's something that I think the Bills need to put aside unless they're going to you know, get a better running back right now off the street in free agency in the middle of the year. Maybe they'll draft a guy higher in the draft next year. I don't know. But certainly having better offensive linemen than John Feliciano uh, would, wouldn't hurt either. So before I move on to the Jacksonville-Buffalo game, a little bit of a controversy on the the Twitter app yesterday. Well, there was a lot of controversies on the Twitter app yesterday. Bill's Twitter was uh, lively yesterday, shall we say. Uh, but one thing we talked about, I, I tweeted out about it with my analytics company Twitter account. But we also had a, a lively discussion in the built-in Buffalo Twitter group chat about the MVP award and Josh Allen. And most people think that Josh Allen right now is one of the three main contenders for the MVP award. And I would disagree with that. Right now, I have Josh Allen as the number six, sixth-ranked MVP candidate on my list. And I wanted to kind of go through a little bit of, of how I got to that number because there seemed to be a little bit uh confusion in the group chat. All I really did was was I looked at the last 10 quarterbacks. I, th- I thought that was... You know, not going too far back. You don't want to look at a quarterback who who won the MVP in you know 1997, because I think the league has changed a lot since then. But but I think if you go back and you look at a in a you know a 10 year sample, that's not too far back. So all I really did is I said, okay, who won the MVP in 2014? Okay, let's get their stats. Who won it in 2015? Okay, let's get those stats. I added all the stats up. Divided each category by 10 because there's 10 years of data. And I got a uh, like a per-game average or a per-game pace uh, of the average of what the, the statistical averages of what the MVP winners who played quarterback had achieved that year that they won. And that gives me the ability to examine this year's MVP candidates at the quarterback position on a per-game average basis. And then we can obviously calculate their their pace and see where they line up. Are they above that sort of 10-year average? Are they below it? How far above it are they? Um, and then, they, you know, they get the players get ranked and get points in, in certain categories. And, and whoever has, you know, the best point total once the math is all done is in first place and then second place and so on. And when you do that, Josh Allen is number six on the list. Tom Brady is far and away the front runner right now for the NFL MVP. It's not even really close. And I know that kind of makes a lot of Bills fans mad because obviously Josh Allen is valuable to the Bills. Nobody's saying that he isn't. We don't know. First of all, we don't know what MVP voters look for. Are they watching every snap? Are they just looking at statistics? Are they looking at advanced analytics? We don't know. I don't know any MVP voters. I mean, I probably do, but I don't know. I never really looked up to see who they were. And I'm not sure that I know any of them well enough, if I know any of them, to just message them and be like, hey, how do you vote? You know, so like it's it's kind of this thing that's kind of shrouded in mystery, shall we say. The guys who they have voted for to win, those are the average of the last 10 guys that won. So I thought that that would be a good statistical uh, benchmark to kind of to give me a guide throughout the year to see how we're doing. And I know that Bills fans are mad because they like Josh Allen. And once again, I know he's valuable to the Bills. 
he's ha- Josh Allen is on pace to have if Josh Allen had this pace last year, he'd win the MVP last year. But this year there's five guys who are outpacing him. That's why he's sixth and not fifth or fourth or third or second. So maybe Josh Allen will pick up the statistic production. Maybe he won't. I don't know. But as of right now, according to our statistical analysis, Josh Allen is number six in the MVP voting. Well, I should say voting. I should say he's number six in our MVP rankings. This weekend, the Buffalo Bills play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Another perceived cupcake on the schedule. And who doesn't like cupcakes? Got to be honest that I prefer vanilla to chocolate, but that's just me. I also prefer the buttercream. I know some people prefer the whipped topping. Not me. Sorry, my friends, but to each each their own. Also, I'm not even going to get into the rest of this, but let's just say I have some very controversial cake takes that we're not going to deal with right now. Although I'll give you a hint. My take rhymes with filling and cake sucks. Anyway, on to the Jacksonville game. The Buffalo Bills get to play a rookie quarterback. <laughs> by by the name of Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is the first pick in these this past year's draft. The Jacksonville Jaguars are coached by Urban Meyer, who is quite frankly one of the luckiest people on the planet because as you may remember, Only a few weeks ago, Urban Meyer got into a little bit of trouble at a bar while his wife was at home with other female humans. However, to his, I'm sure, immense pleasure and blind luck, the NFL decided that a few days after that, That would be a great time to expose John Gruden's racism and fire John Gruden. So this whole Urban Meyer thing kind of went away. Let's be honest, he doesn't seem like a good person. He is certainly a good leader of college athletes, and I guess he's a good recruiter. I don't really know if he's a good coach because I don't know how much coaching he did in college, but he's a pretty crappy NFL coach. And obviously there's lots of speculation that he's going to leave because this is harder than he thought it would be. He thought he could just get a couple uh, elite athletes and and everything would be elite, not realizing that every guy in the NFL is, you know, elite in the context of the NFL. Like, there is no college team that could beat the worst NFL team. There just isn't. And I think Urban Meyer thought this was going to be some sort of cakewalk thing. I don't think he realized how much work it was. And the Jags stink. Now, I don't think they stink as much as, you know, Detroit or maybe even Miami has stunk so far. But this should be an easy game for the Bills. Jacksonville does have some talent. They actually have some pretty good wide receivers. Their offensive line is okay. And like I said, uh, Trevor Lawrence has been doing pretty... um, you know, I mean, he's okay. He's a rookie. He's played seven, eight games. He He's done fine. He, he's athletic. He's big. He's strong. Certainly, I think as 
advertised in terms of, of what type of skill set you were getting. But the Bills defense, you know, you've got Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer playing at an all-pro level. I think that you have Tremaine Edmonds playing at a, at a fringe all-pro level. I think Tredavis White is playing at an all-pro level. Uh, Ed Oliver is playing outstanding. Star Lotula Lele is playing outstanding. Um, the defensive ends are, you know, maybe like above average right now. But this is, I think, a welcome to the NFL rookie quarterback game this week for Trevor Lawrence. I think that the Buffalo Bills are going to confuse him. They're going to blitz him. He's not really going to know what to do. And I think that this should be, I don't want to say it's going to be easy. Nothing is easy. These guys suit up. They play 60 minutes. Um, the other guys on the other side of the field are competing with them. It's not like they're just going to not compete. But I think, you're, you know, you're not exactly playing the Tennessee Titans or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week, obviously. Offensively, you know, this has the potential to be a very, a very strong game. For the offense, hopefully they'll call a few less running plays. Again, Jacksonville has some fairly decent talent in a few spots. They have their own Josh Allen. This week, everybody, it's going to be the battle of the Josh Allens. Incredible, right? Definitely incredible. You have Josh Allen, quarterback, Buffalo Bill. And you have Josh Allen, defensive end, Jacksonville Jaguars, who will win. No one knows. Probably Josh Allen from the Buffalo Bills. But it's going to be a little confusing, I suppose, because you're going to hear a lot of Josh Allen, and you're not really going to know necessarily, if you have your eyes closed, who they're talking about. So that'll be fun. It's like a Josh Allen mirror inception revenge game or something. But anyway, I think that the Buffalo Bills should uh, win this game pretty easily. Last year, last week, I predicted a Buffalo Bills 38-13 to win. Against the Miami Dolphins, that did not happen. I was wrong. Um, so I'm going to say that the Buffalo Bills are going to win this week, 38-13, to against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I would like to thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I hope you will check out all the different things that Built in Buffalo has to offer, the YouTube channel, the Instagram account, the Facebook account, the Twitter account, the podcast network. If you are on Apple Podcasts, listening on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and a review. And remember, Bills Mafia, no matter how much the Buffalo Bills are winning by, you always want to, what do we want to do? Find a way to embrace your growth mindset. And as always, trust the process.